Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Psychedelic Society South Africa podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to give voice to the different actors in the current psychedelic renaissance with a strong focus on what's happening in South Africa. We're here to spread information and serve as a beacon to draw in and connect all those who share an interest in psychedelics, healing, altered states of consciousness and anything related. My name is Nathan Maingard, and I will be hosting at least some of these, these episodes. And our first chat was fittingly with Monica Cromhout. She is the, I don't know what, to, the grandmother of mushroom medicine in South Africa. She's been sitting with the medicine for many years and has an incredible story. I, I didn't know too much about her. Obviously, I'd heard about her. Most people who are involved in this, in this realm in South Africa have heard about her. And it was a great honor to sit with her and have this epic conversation you're going to hear today uh, at her beautiful little home in Somerset West. And, and I, I just so enjoyed how... She, if I walked past her on the street, I never would have thought like this is one of the leaders of the, of the plant medicines or sacred mushroom movement in South Africa. And I just really appreciated her candor, her honesty, her integrity, and, and really just the joy that she brings to what it is that she's here to share. So I'm going to let, let her words take us forward because it really it is worth listening to. So please do enjoy this very first of our new podcast, this conversation with the dear Monica Comrade. Monica, thank you so much for, for being available, for inviting me into your home and, and welcoming us in, into the space to, to share some of this information and to kind of just hear some of your story, really. Um, and I suppose that's one of the things that I, I, I would love to, to just hear from you in the first place. You were saying a moment ago that, that this whole thing has kind of just, each thing has happened one after the other just in a very natural way. And you mentioned that when you first started with working with psilocybin, or at least you said you had never even smoked a cigarette, you'd never had any mind-altering substances, anything. So how did you go from that to now, what, 11 years plus facilitating these journeys? I mean, it's amazing. Hi, and um, that story I think a lot of people know. Of course, I've told it so often. It was just so amazing. Uh, when I was 62, it was a very bad time in my life. I had lost my husband and I really wanted to die as well. I didn't want to live without him and my hair had turned completely grey and every joint in my body was on fire with, I guess, arthritis or osteoporosis mm. or something and deeply depressed. With no desire to do anything with my life. And... Um, then my son gave me a book by Graham Hancock. Uh, uh, I'll think of the title just now. Mm. It just escapes me now. Um, and I, I liked Graham Hancock. I'd read almost all his books, but not this one. Mm. Supernatural. It's called Supernatural. And um, <clears throat> it's actually a book about cave paintings, which is, was an interest of mine, is an interest of mine. And so in it, he refers a lot to ayahuasca, which I'd never heard of. But uh, I'd never heard of psychedelics. I didn't know they existed. I knew alcohol existed and dacha. I knew dacha existed. But otherwise, I didn't know about anything else. Something about ayahuasca absolutely rung bells in my head that this is something that could mean something for me. 
and which is very weird that I should have felt that. And I won't go through the whole story of ayahuasca, which is itself is very, very amazing and lasting in its effect. But uh, I did get to do ayahuasca quite soon after reading the book because uh, a shaman came from America or South America. Uh, I think he may have been the first one ever. So this is, I'm talking a long time ago. I'm 75 now, and that was when I was 62. And um, I journeyed four times up in the Cedarburg Mountains with a group that grew every time. We were nine at the start, and I think maybe 30 or 40 at the end. And that was simply amazing, and I was able then, following that, to find the group who do Santo Daime journeys in Grayton. And I went there regularly, and which they use as it's a very spiritual, almost Christian-like group, which I really understood because I came from a Christian background. Mm-hmm. And I really loved that, and I went regularly. But then a time came uh, just before I turned 64, it, and I can't even say why, where I got the strong message that ayahuasca was finished, well, part of the message was was very obvious, that it simply wasn't working for me anymore, which was very heartbreaking for me. I would like going for the experience, but nothing was happening. And it was just after that that I decided uncharacteristically to have a birthday party to celebrate being 64. I don't like birthday parties. I have no idea why I did that. But I created an events page on Facebook to say I'm turning 64 and if you know me, you're invited. I don't want to work with RSVPs or anything, but just come. If you know me, come and celebrate me being 64. But bring your own food because I don't know how many people will be coming uh, and um, I will provide, I'll have plenty of drinks and if, you've got, if you want alcoholic drinks, you need to bring those. And no gift, that was the big thing, no gift because my house is full of clutter. And um, I'm told that it was about 300 people that came. I mean, it blew my mind away. I, I could, it was so hectic, I didn't bother counting. But the, one of the last people to arrive was a lady who bought me a small little gift wrapped up in gift paper with a a bow. And I said to her, but you're not supposed to bring gifts. So she said, well, it's food. (laughs) (laughs) And I dropped this little thing into my bag and I forgot all about it. Anyway, out of it all, eventually she contacted me and asked out whether I liked the gift. And it was mushrooms. I didn't, I hardly knew. I had vaguely heard that you got psychedelic mushrooms. Um, and I had had one experience here at home uh, that was sort of interesting, but it, 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 uh, I was still an ayahuasca girl, as it were. And um, <clears throat> so that first journey that I did with mushrooms, all on my own, I, I had a look up on the internet to get some ideas about what to do. And I set up a, a bed in my back garden, I have a very lovely back garden, a mattress and, and pillow, and I've got some music earphones and I ate these mushrooms a lot of chewing, 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 chewing and uh, I had the most unbelievable, later on I heard that was for two or three journeys, not just one but I just ate everything and I had the most amazing journey, I I never wanted it to finish the thought that it was going to end was unbearable and in the morning um, 
I didn't even know that mushrooms had a voice. Now I know that, that sometimes mushrooms will speak with an actual voice in your own language, which is itself mind-boggling. But I heard this beautiful male voice. Later on, I've heard people say it's female, but it was definitely a male voice. It spoke to me many times after that. And the, it said the simple thing, your home will become a school for mushrooms. I mean, I would, I would know what that was. I had no idea what that was. So I remember going into arguments mode and saying, no, 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 I, that's not going to happen. I'm not the right person. And my main argument, I even had someone else I wanted to recommend, uh, but my main argument was that I don't know anything about this stuff, which is true. And I got the most beautiful answer to that, which I still practice now, all these years later. You don't need to know anything. Just open the door and hold it open. And that's my motto for life. Keep the door open and hold it open. In other words, when it feels like it's going to be closed, don't. Keep it open. And that's literally all I did. There a bit more conversation came after that between me and the voice. A few little instructions. Was I, I didn't know what, what that meant. And I began to work with one person, three people, two people four people, two people, that kind of thing, for months and months, getting the feel of, of what this is all about. And then very suddenly it expanded overnight to 18 people. And that's when mushrooms began to take over my whole home just about and uh, um, became real hard work and amazing work. Mm. And since then, oh, I mean – I could could write a whole book about what has happened since then, which would have been 1960. I can't remember the date now. I battled with memory. I had cancer treatment, which messed up my memory, so you'll have to make allowances for me. But I'm very open about it. I don't pretend. Uh, that is how it is. That's how it is. That's fantastic. I That story was actually super touching. I, the, the, the resonance around... I don't, you you just somehow managed to hit right on one of my deeper sort of shadowy pieces, which is the sense that I that I am never like good enough to show up, and even though I'm being asked to show up in certain ways and hold space in certain ways, I'm like there's this sense of but I'm not ready yet, and like what and just just that the medicine is just like just keep the door open. That's it. Yeah, exactly. That's all you have to do because it's actually not up to us. I mean, who do we think we are? That's so true. Surrender. You know that that when I'm ready, <laughs> I, you know, but uh, we we can never really be ready. Oh, but you. as long as we're surrendering to that higher force, yeah. uh, we don't need to be ready. Right. There is no such thing as ready. Well, so so this is this actually ties into the to a question I wanted to ask you, which is around you, you were in a, this long term court case because you were arrested and 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 because psilocybin is hundred percent illegal here, and and yet you've chosen to to stay with it and step into it. And and I heard you on another talk saying something really interesting around that you weren't afraid when you were arrested, even though it happened like on the night of a ceremony. I seem to have um, an inability to be afraid of anything. Um, and I work with a lot of people in my work, a lot of people, hundreds of new people every year, and all the old ones come along as well. But um, 
I don't know why I'm never afraid, but the idea that I should be afraid of something that might happen and probably will never happen just seems like a total waste of energy. Uh, if I, if my life was directly threatened with a knife again, a, a gun against my head, maybe I'd be frightened then. I don't know, but I'm I'm not ever afraid. And part of that, I think, is that one of my principles has always been to live with total integrity. Well, it's two things: to do my absolute best with everything, uh, as inadequate as it may be. I will do my best, and I will do everything with as complete integrity as I can understand. So I, I don't have any guilt. I don't have any fear in, around those things that I've done a bad job or that I um, have not been in integrity. I've done something wrong. I think I might get fearful if I was afraid of the police arriving. I knew they might arrive. I, I had read up enough to see this as illegal. And the, the, the police station is three blocks from here. And the police come roaring up and down. Um, <clears throat> I knew it was possible. It didn't feel real that it would actually happen. It was quite a shock when they did arrive because it was a totally new experience. And I kept thinking, this feels like a movie. This feels just like a movie where they unlocked all those doors, one bar door after another to get me to my little cell and each one slammed behind that. All of that kind of thing just felt movie-like. Um <clears throat> Uh, in a, and I was on mushrooms in any case. So. <laughs> but this is the amazing thing that I that I that I would love because because I'm hearing this sense of that you just fully trust the medicine and the journey and the invitation that you the, the door is open and and you just are, are in it and and it's it's open for two way traffic. Yeah. Whoever comes in can come in and whoever wants to go can go. Yeah. There's no block, and that's not just people. It's ideas, thoughts, understandings, insights, experiences, everything. It all wraps up in the concept of vagabonding, yeah. uh, which is um, uh, very much my lifestyle and has been for so long that I can't remember when it wasn't that way. Uh, where you don't have any, I don't have any plans. I mean, all the people who come here for, to work with mushrooms know about vagabonding because I always mention it uh, because it it's, means living magically in the forces of nature that are swirling all around us. We, we, uh, I never have a plan. I never talk about what I'm going to do. You'll never hear me saying this is what I'm going to do in the future. I have no idea what I'm going to be doing in the future. I was always like that. Mm. I, and I for sure never planned to become an astrologer who does mushroom journeys. I was a good Christian girl. Mm. And neither of those two topics are acceptable in the Christian church. But that is where my life has taken me in this whirly, swirly way of not planning for anything and and confronting everything that comes my way. I practically never say no to anything. Uh, I mean, if I feel it's wrong in any way or if I'm not strong enough physically, that sometimes happens now, that I'm not physically able to do it, I'll say no. But because... Every opportunity that comes that you didn't look for is sent from some divine source. And so we must grab it with both hands and milk it dry, that kind of thing, because it's full of amazing stuff. Do you think, do you think that's what's happening in this, in this court case now? Because it has – and I'd like to understand a little more about – because you're as an individual in court for the specific thing that, they, that the law wants to put you in jail for – 
and there's a bigger picture around should psilocybin be illegal? And and so how, how is that going and how, how do you feel about all of that? Well, th- technically at one level, the case is all about me. That, that makes me feel very uncomfortable because the issue is much more than me and goes back thousands of years. Uh, it's really uh, nothing to do with me at all. I've just pushed a little button somewhere and something got going. Um, <clears throat> but the, the case, I am charged with dealing in an illegal substance, which will be very difficult for them to do anything about in court if we just went for that. But what happened? That's how it started. And I appeared after the first, I was arrested twice, but after the first arrest, I appeared in court three or four times. I can't remember how, exactly how many. And it was a big hassle for me to get to court. I'm very busy here at home and to get away and go to court as a mission. And um, <clears throat> so the fourth time I was, was in court, fourth or fifth time that I was in court, there was a long wait and, we, and quite a few people had come to support me that day and um, waited and waited and waited. And finally, um, the, the one of the court officials came out and told me that I can go home. They've decided to just drop the whole thing because they've lost my file. And he, he t- told it to me as though he's telling me good news. Right. You're off it. You're off. <laughs> you know, good for you. We're just going to forget about it because we can't find your file. Something in me exploded with anger. I never get angry. But I was so angry. I think something took over. I think mushrooms took over or something. Because I said things that I could not have invented for myself. And I remember saying, what are you saying? You've lost my file. And that I must go home now and forget about all of this. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. Make a new file. I didn't know you could make a new file. I knew nothing about these things. But they have to make a new file. And so that then took the whole thing to another step because my attorney came and we had a chat. And in that, in the sort of new, new file state in that day, uh, my attorney had to dictate to the magistrate why I was in court and what I'd been arrested for. And the magistrate's writing it all down by hand. And... Um, uh, where we stand at the moment, and um, and he says, and this was not quite the truth, but it was a very good idea. He said, my client has said that she would like to escalate this case to the High Court, um, uh, to so that we can get a stay of prosecution. And the magistrate kind of went, oh, thank God. <laughs> was happy to be rid of me because yeah, yeah. uh, I have a pristine life when it comes to breaking the law. Yeah. They couldn't put anything on me if they wanted to really have a character assassination. It would be very difficult. And um, we were immediately transferred then to the freedom to go to the high court, which we did. And um, the high court, I was told by the advocate, which we had at that time then, because uh, you have to have an advocate if you go to the high court. All this was a bit new learning for me. Where um, uh, she then said we wanted to um, approach the constitutional court for the change of the constitu- the law in relation that the law as it is now is out of harmony with the constitution, which it is on several in several different ways, and that we also wanted to stay a prosecution for anyone else who was arrested for mushrooms until that was solved. 
Oh, that was so clever. I mean, isn't that clever? And so she had warned me that that, the chances were high that that would not be accepted and that I must be ready for a very, very long trial that would end with a jail sentence and that they would then uh, uh, appeal against the sentence and it would go on again and again and again. And I was kind of geared that that was going to happen and it seemed a bit of a hassle, but if that was what, but she said that was more likely. Well, the court case itself took it because I'm an astrologer. I noted the time that it started. There was many court cases, one after the other, and I was kind of waiting in the court just to watch. I was just an observer. So my case started at eleven thirty-three in the morning. In the in, the, in that morning, and at eleven thirty-six, it was over. Three minutes. And the the judge said, and I heard, they couldn't hear very well in the court, but I could hear the judge say, I think she has good reason to go to the Constitutional Court. There we were. As easy as that. Magical. Divine magic at play. Vagabonding magic. Where I didn't fight it, whatever was happening, I was interested, I took it on. And so that, that was now a long time ago, six or seven years ago. And um, I got arrested a second time, and that was a beautiful experience. Um, <clears throat> I was then familiar with the whole process. I felt very lost and not knowing which way to go the first time. Second time, I knew the jail. I knew the cells. I knew all, it, how awfully dirty and terrible it was, and I knew how the police laughed and chatted with each other and how you could actually talk to them like human beings, but they wouldn't talk to me like a human being. That's all, all of those things I knew. And um, I felt in the jail that time like I was a celebrity. It was the weirdest thing. They, they couldn't have treated me better. And um, the only thing that happened that was amazing was the... There was a policewoman in charge that weekend, on duty, in charge of the police station that weekend. I was called to her office, and she seemed to be really angry with me. And she said, do you know how much trouble you're in? I didn't feel like I was in trouble at all. I was having a little... I was busy reading the cannabis notes from the cannabis case. I took that to jail. And I was busy reading through these, because there's a thick wad. I don't know if you saw them, wad of stuff, legal reports. <clears throat> and so I was quite happy to sit there all on my own, peace and quiet, no phone ringing, no nothing, to work through these notes because it helps me understand the, our case. Mm. And I said, I, I don't know, what kind of trouble am I in? She said, every time you get arrested, they will increase your sentence by 15 years. So you now have a 30-year jail sentence hanging over your head. Now, I was already into my 70s, mm. so I do a little sum in my head. And I said, do you know how old I am? <laughs> I'm going to get free board and lodging, free medical care. Uh, you have to look after me in jail. Um, I don't mind going to jail. And uh, we then we then started to chat, and she eventually um, made sure that I was released without bail. I was supposed to have 20,000 rand bail. Unknown to me, she worked out that she contacted the senior guy. I don't know the names of the mm. 
of the positions in the police force. Um, <clears throat> we said, just let her go home. You can trust her. She will come back. She will appear in court. Mm-hmm. They, you pay bail because they think you won't appear in court. So I was released free. She took me home in her own private car. She came into the house and she looked around. I showed her how this house, showed her how we do the mushrooms, where we do it. Spoke about the history, but there was a whole lot of people here, mm-hmm. very worried about me being in jail. And she chatted to all of them. <clears throat> it was a beautiful experience. And when, when she pulled away finally to leave, uh, she said through the car door, I was standing at the door, she said, I'm so glad I met you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a- it's unreal. It's unreal. Um, there were two policemen who came to me in the cell as well to consult with me. Um, they thought I was some kind of a Sangoma on a very, very private problem that they were having. And did I have some potions that could help them? <laughs> it was surreal, absolutely surreal. But you, you've, re- you've reminded me of an amazing story the, that uh, I only just heard recently. It's like one of those old fables. And it's the... The, the, you might you might have heard it. Uh, many people have, but I only heard it recently. It's basically there was a, a sort of very cruel general in I think in China, and he was he was going and and just demolishing all of these, taking over lots of different pla- villages and places. And every time he'd find a temple with monks in it, he would go in and he would brutally kill all the monks because he's like he just wanted he just was just filled with rage and anger and hate, and he got a real reputation you know people would know he's coming it's it's going to happen and so he arrived at this one village they overthrew the village and he said to the villagers is there a temple here and they said yes up the mountain and he said are the monks there he said they said no all the monks have run away except for one monk and now this general now is angry he's like furious how dare this monk think that he can just sit in a temple and i'm not gonna he goes up there he sees the monk he pulls out his sword and he puts his sword, points it at his, the monk's stomach. And he says, don't you know who I am? Like, you should be scared. I could stab you with this, this saber and not even blink an eye. And the monk looked at him and he said, don't you know who I am? I, you could stab me in the stomach with that saber and I wouldn't even blink an eye. And the general was completely transformed by this moment, realizing that he, had, he was completely, and that the power in this monk was the real power. And it's what I'm hearing from you is exactly that thing of like that you can go into the shadows, into the prison, into the jail and still carry the same message. I mean, anyway, that's thank you. Very inspiring. <laughs> it is. An, it is a most amazing story and not something I ever imagined would happen to me. Um, you know, I'm the, the um, one of the legal people said to me at one stage, I checked your background and you even pay your parking fines, uh, your speed fines immediately. I do. I feel if I broke the, if I drove too fast, that was wrong. I should not have done that. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, you're like the perfect poster child in a way for, the, for this experience because, because you've been inspired. There's something there. It's like you're, you're not this person who's like, oh, I want to want to break the, the bounds of society. And it's like, no, but this is. They were calling me an activist at the start. And I kept saying, I'm not an activist. Please don't call me an activist. I'm not. Yeah. I don't see myself as an activist. I'm just going with the flow yeah. of what happens and what is right. Walk, working with what is the right thing. And I won't back down. Mm. I know that I won't back down. I have a whole history before I found mushrooms that is kind of similar in its own way. And also very much on my side is my age. Uh, I never would have thought there were so many uh, benefits and advantages to being in your in your 70s, but they multiply. 
I mean, the body is collapsing, but the spirit is is very strong, and it it creates a so something between you and whoever is dealing with you that's different to when I, I was young, for sure. I love that. That's a beautiful. It's it's something I think about a lot that that our world currently, our society is is missing eldership, like elders who have done who are doing their work, and so have kind of gone through the stuff that we start off with in our youth of all the the chaos and the intensity of it, but that there's that eldership or elderhood is really important. And, and well, let me just tell you that I also don't like that label. Really, I hate labels. Oh, yeah. I don't like labels okay. because you put something on a person, and it's not so much the well. It is what the label does. Mm. The label puts the person on a pedestal. Mm. And pedestals are dangerous places. We all know that. I will not be on a pedestal. I am just an old lady of 75 years old. Uh, I'm ordinary. I'm human. And people will sometimes say, oh, I can't believe I'm meeting Monica Cromhout. And I say, well, I just let me tell you right now, I'm going to be a disappointment. Mm. Because I am just a human being. You never hear me calling myself anything. I've been called a shaman and a, a goddess and an elder I don't want I don't want any of that because it takes away your freedom. It's all human. It's human stuff. Mm. I love that. Thank you. That's fantastic. I it's it's funny because I, I'm someone who's really struggled with labels. Like earlier you asked me what do I do and I was like, well, <laughs> it's a ch- it's a challenging one. I it's I do my best to We tie our hands. Yeah. We shoot ourselves in the feet when we put on our own label. Yeah. Or we allow someone else to give us a label. We've lost we've lost the 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 plot when we do that. Oh, beautiful. Okay, so I also have some questions just around more sort of practical things for those who are maybe less experienced or who are, because as we were saying earlier, they, uh, or before the, this, we started this actually, is how quickly this is spreading right now, this kind of psychedelic renaissance in a way where people are, and as we said, it's, it's needed. It is so needed in this time. It's the one thing that can change this world rapidly yeah. and easily. For many different, in its many different ways, it will meet every single need for changing this world. That's lovely. Could you go into that a little more? Like, just what 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 inspires you to say that? Well, my the main thing I know about is mushrooms. I do know quite a lot about ayahuasca, and I particularly like ayahuasca in its profoundly spiritual way, which it usually is. Actually, mushrooms not so much. Mushrooms are used uh, um, for fun and parties and. Uh, entertainment, but <clears throat> which is a pity, but that's how it is. Um, what was your question again? <laughs> <laughs> what is it about? <laughs> what is it about this this sort of psychedelic renaissance or movement? Uh, what makes it the right thing? Yeah, how's it? Can, how can it change it all for us? So let me just speak about mushrooms because yeah. I can speak about oh. that with confidence, and maybe the same thing applies to the others as well. Um, but what I have observed with working with now thousands of people with mushrooms is that the, in terms of what's wrong with our country, South Africa, right now, particularly our government, is it gives people a conscience. Very quickly, you begin to realize where you have been doing wrong things and you want to change that. You don't want to do that anymore. And, and getting a conscience like overnight can be quite a shock. So it does that. It brings empathy. Imagine our 
government. Can we talk about the government? I think we can. I've, absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm not political at all. No. I'm just. <laughs> um, if our government had empathy and conscience, what a different country this would be. Mm. But they have. I mean, the, those who the corrupt ones, which seem to be quite a lot of them, uh, had no empathy for their people. They knew their people were suffering, but they didn't care about that. Now, we can take the same thing beyond the government also to the people. If we all developed a conscience and we lived by doing the right thing, as and I think a conscience can be uh, uh, individual, that you have your own things that you feel strongly about that are, are right and wrong. Um, but if we all had uh, uh, lived by our conscience, by our values, and we had empathy uh, for everything that lives, the planet would be very healthy. The economy would be very healthy. Everyone would have food. The jails would be empty. Mm. Yeah, it's so interesting. I think you also said before the call around Nixon and, and his whole move back in the day to be like he was going to end crime. And yet he was a criminal. He got elected on yeah. that. That was I'm his stand. End, I'm going to end crime. But the way to end crime isn't to, to punish the criminals. It's to integrate. It's to integrate the experience. Anyway, I love that. And it's oh, there's so much there. So, so for, some, for the many people now who are curious, who are kind of going, or maybe in a similar position to where you were, where they're like, I've never touched drugs, I, I follow the law, etc. Or, if I can just interrupt, yeah. all those who are addicts and trapped in addiction, yeah. they can safely use mushrooms. I'm just talking about mushrooms. Let's just talk about mushrooms. I'm totally in for that. So as well as those who are just curious and kind of healthy, but maybe those who are also in dire straits being addicts or... Oh, yes. If, they're, if you're addicted uh, and um, you, you, there's, you don't need to use your particular substance, especially if you're wanting to get off, which I think a lot of them, well, a lot of them are, you can safely use mushrooms, which will give you more of an experience than you had with morphine or... or whatever it is that you were taking. Yeah, obviously there's the, the thing within that is around safety and facilitation, etc., things like that. I know because for myself as someone who explored a little bit with psychedelics when I was kind of in my late teens, early 20s, I found it a very overwhelming experience back then. Like I didn't want to work with them. I didn't want to use them anymore until I started to learn about the medicinal sacred i love that how you call it sacred mushrooms around these sacred properties and, and mushrooms actually called me when i was in my sort of mid no it must have been late 20s i i just suddenly out of nowhere and i had worked with ayahuasca a few times and i was kind of like exploring but i wasn't at all in that world and suddenly i just felt this urge of like mushrooms and i was like, i haven't i haven't had mushrooms since i was like 19 years old why am i suddenly and and just a beautiful story a few weeks later a friend arrived at the house i was house sitting in london england and she, as she walked in she's like hey i don't know why but i thought my friend grows these i thought you might want some and she gave me a bag of mushrooms i was like okay <laughs> um and i and it's been a it's it's an ongoing journey i haven't i still haven't i'm, I'm still entering my my sort of relationship with them in many ways but Anyway, all that aside, uh, I agree. I think that these these medicines are so powerful in so many ways. Like for myself, I had was really struggling with depression, and mushrooms just completely gave me a tool to look at it from a completely different perspective and to just let let it go. And not to say that I don't have my down days, but I can now call it a down day, and it doesn't have to be a, a whole identity that I wrap myself around. Um, and so, yeah, that's the thing for people who are curious. 
in South Africa right now specifically, how, how, do, how would you recommend someone gets more information or begins this down this road? Uh, well, um, th- we are easily contactable. We're not hiding at all. We're right out in the open. Okay. Occasionally we're being called um, the psychedelic underground. We are not. <laughs> that, I'm, I'm offended by that because we, there's nothing. I, I have no fence in front of my house. I noticed that. <laughs> People can walk in and out. When the police come the next time, which is what they did every time, they can walk straight into the front door because during our ceremonies we leave the door open. Because the door, I was told to open the door and hold it open, and so we are on the, everywhere on the internet. Okay. Um, uh, I don't mind this kind of thing. Carte Blanche are busy with a, a program right now. Um, I don't look for publicity. I don't look for anything. I vagabond. I just respond to what comes. When you phoned, I didn't. I didn't reply immediately because it's not a big issue. But mm-hmm. then, uh, was it you? Was it was um, Nick that phone? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Nick, wasn't you? It was yeah. Nick. Um, and then I've eventually found, yes, of course he could come. In. Yeah. <laughs> because right. when you live like that, you are surrendering to the forces of nature that have your good in mind. Uh, rather than thinking, oh, no, I don't want to do that. Um, as long as it's in integrity. Uh, that's what integrity is the thing that is the under... I mean, you can be so, something that's illegal or bad can crop up and tempt you. I'm not talking about that. Mm. I'm talking about things that just suddenly out of the blue present themselves. And if you keep following that, your life turns around in ways you can't believe. I never thought I would be like this at this stage in my life. Yeah, so that's I, I love that. To anyone listening right now, if you feel that this is your invitation to get more information – Check out Monica Cromhold, and you'll and, easily find me. And if if you just type psilocybin mushrooms South Africa or something like that, I'm, I've never done it myself, but I'm sure a whole lot of stuff will come up. Mm-hmm. Um, more and more people who are working with with uh, sacred mushrooms are are having the courage to come out in the open. Yeah, because working, I I wouldn't want to have anyone working with me who is frightened, because the only thing we need to fear is someone who's frightened. They are scary. Because they then bring in uh, all kinds of things, uh, uh, dangerous situations with their own fear. So this is – you've actually brought up a question I, I, for myself I'd love to ask you, which is like one of the things I experience in plant medicine, especially when I'm thinking about going into a journey with, let's say, with, with uh, sacred mushrooms, is that I just get really, really scared. And even now I'm actually planning my next journeys coming up in a few weeks' time. And I can feel how much resistance I have, like where there's, there's parts of me just telling me all these stories and there's this there's actual fear. The feeling is of deep nervousness. And so I'm curious, how, how have you experienced that? And how have you experienced that with holding other people who I'm sure many of them have been experiencing that themselves? You know, there's a certain anxiety which is built into us and uh, sends out adrenaline to help us. It's a physiological thing that is natural. Um, uh, we've just learned to be afraid of things that might happen and one thing on top of the other, and that causes physiological difficulties. Uh, you, you, will be, you will encounter, especially on the first time, you will account, encounter stuff that seems very, very real uh, and something you've never imagined or seen anything of, like that ever. And, and scary images, that you, only scary because you make them scary. It's all in the head. Uh, Because nothing that's coming to you in a mushroom journey is going to hurt you. Nothing. 
And um, mushrooms are, let me just divert into another topic quickly, to say that humans have been using mushrooms for probably millions of years, but we don't know what happened millions of years ago, but certainly thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. And it's in our genes our ancestors have sent it to us in our genes. We know, we recognize it. Before there were plants on earth, there were mushrooms. This is ancient stuff we're working with here. So there's nothing to be afraid of. Now, just remind me what we had to go back to. Oh, the free fall. Yes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so whatever comes, whether it's beautiful or scary or strange, you literally just fall into it like you're falling over a cliff. Be sure you're not standing on a cliff yeah. at the time. You need to be indoors um, in a safe place. Yeah. You can go out in nature as long as it's very safe in a forest or something. Yeah. But not walking along a cliff edge because you might get the feeling that you can fly or something like that. Yeah. Um, but even that, probably not. Because if you look at the news reports about people who are arrested, recently someone was seen running down the street naked. Um, shouting and screaming, which is a, a, a kind of a strange thing to do, but it's not the end of the world. But um, <clears throat> So when you read through the article, and it says a man on shrooms yeah. running down the street, then you read the article, and he also had LSD and heroin and, 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 and all the headline says is mushrooms. Mm. It's when you mix mushrooms with something else. That you get into trouble, and and how would you recommend for someone who's also quite new to it, maybe, and they're thinking, like, I guess we maybe covered it earlier. Is like, when is it time? How, how does someone know? When you feel a call, mm. it's as simple as that. When you feel the call, and some you may not recognize it as a call, but you'll know it is. It'll come back, and it'll come back, and it will come back, and. Um, there's a, a wonderful people will often say, but I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Even you mentioned that. Mm. I'm not ready for this yet. And there's a wonderful hymn that we used to sing when I was a Christian. Just as I am, without one plea, O Lord my God, I come to Thee. Just as we are, we don't have to do anything. We don't have to be better. I've overcome this. Stop doing that. We don't even have to have fasted. It's a good idea not to eat for a few hours before so that you don't have a stomach full of food because mushrooms may well throw it out because it doesn't want to have to compete with your dinner or whatever it was. <laughs> and so and, and this brings up a question for me around the word I don't know if there's a if there is a word for it, but in indigeneity. So like the indigenous. So there's a sense for me that the indigenous cultures of this world were integrated, are integrated, have have not forgotten that like indigenous knowledge is knowledge that is integrated. And so here we are as Westerners in our big built up civilization that we've thought so highly of for so long. And how do we how do we hold a sensitivity around? For example, my ancestors were some of the people who would have persecuted and torn indigenous people out of their homes. And now for me to be sort of re-entering this, is there, is there anything in there that's worth talking about? Or is it literally just show up and do the work and the rest resolves? Is this making sense? It's not really making sense. I've never thought of that as a, a, a problem. Um, the indigenous people themselves are pretty brutal to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're going to look at that, humans are brutal to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never kind of connected that. It's never been a, 
issue that's ever rare come up for me. Yeah, I suppose it's if I'm thinking. So maybe uh, to to clarify, like if I think of the Honey Queen people in the in the Amazon, you know, they're now traveling the world, sharing ayahuasca, sharing these medicines, and then there's also sort of the westernized someone like me who might go to the Amazon and spend a month or two there doing, you know, like working with ayahuasca, and then come back and call myself a shaman and start holding space. That's one of the reasons I I am. Um, object to the name shaman because it doesn't even has nothing to do with South America they don't call themselves shamans I went there on my own to go and experience the jungle and the ceremonies and they, they don't call themselves shamans mm. that's a name we put on them and that name actually belongs to those Russian Siberia I think it is it just means one who sees in the dark that that's the westerner stuff okay. and the whole western world is corrupting South America I don't know you've been to South America no well I was I was shocked, heartbroken when I went, because in, in, I spent most of my time in Cusco, which I fell in love with Cusco. And uh, it, there was nobody working with mushrooms. I couldn't find mushrooms anywhere. That was in the end beside the point. Um, but uh, the ayahuasca was on sale at every corner with teenagers and stuff. That the, the the youngsters don't want to learn from their their, their elders, their older people, the traditional uh, uh, curanderos they called, they don't want to learn from them because they can just take the ayahuasca and make money from it. You see, there the money comes in and make big money from it by saying, you can come to my, my little room that they have there and I will work with you with ayahuasca. Some 20-year-old or something has had no training at all because you can just give someone ayahuasca and sing some songs and they will and have a drum and they will have an experience and your bucket they must have a bucket to be sick in as well that's the basic equipment and um, so there's a terrible lack of trained curanderos so for you do you feel like us as westerners maybe have more of a connection to the lineage of because I for myself I, I, the medicine that's called me most is is sacred mushrooms and and so part of me's wondered, like, because that's my European lineage for sure. That was in their lineage, a hundred percent. And I guess I'm just wondering. Yeah, I don't know. It's a tough question, I suppose. I, I, I'm still wrestling it myself. Just thinking of how do I serve the greater picture, acknowledging that some of the stuff my ancestors did was really, really out of integrity and out of line, and 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 actually caused a lot of those who were still living in an integrated way to become disintegrated. To uh, and, and there's just something in there around how to... Oh, well, it's such an easy answer to that. Tell me. You're caught up in, in what you read on the internet, all that sort of thing. I read a lot on the internet, so I, <laughs> I know. Um, you don't have to worry about anything like that. Because with mushrooms and maybe with the other things as well, you connect directly with the divine force. It hasn't got to do with your lineage and your your heritage and your... DNA and all of that sort of thing. We do have mushrooms in our DNA, I'm quite sure, because it goes, <clears throat> in any case, mushroom DNA is almost the same as human DNA, so that you can read that scientifically. They just blend like that. Mushrooms are human. Even <clears throat> in um, uh, uh, Maria Sabina called them little people. They look like little people. Mm -hmm. So they are little humans in a way, um, and they have an intelligence. There's definitely an intelligence. Um, but uh, 
we don't need to worry about history and all of that. I think it's good to know about it. I'm very interested in history, to know about it, but and know that this is what humans did, and good or bad. But ultimately what we actually need is the direct communication with God or source or nature or whatever we're going to call it, mm. and connect directly there. Because that force, that force of the universe, is keeping up with the history of the, of the universe as it's evolving and changing, which is already very different to it was in, in ancient times. And we make that direct connection. We don't need to worry about all that stuff. Yeah, that's, that makes a lot of sense to me. There's a beautiful... Uh, podcast. Can't be otherwise. No, exactly. Because otherwise it's externalizing something. We don't have to copy what they did yes. before, no. which the churches have done. Yeah. Copied stuff, copied stuff um, in their rituals and mm. have you, what have you. Yeah, there's, a, there's another woman whose podcast I listened to and she said, uh, Laura D is Laura Dawn. And she heard from someone recently as well, like, you know, how knowledge follows its pathways. She was going through a really tough time with her where she was separating from her husband. And then she was in a very kind of like trying to understand what's he doing? Why is it about him? And and, and her friend she was on the phone to at the time said, at the end of the day, Laura, all any of us needs to do right now is get right with ourselves. Like that's all you need to do. That's all, I, it's all anyone is. And with God. I'm yes, using the word God yeah. um, because it's easy to say. But um, it's that, and it's not just with ourselves. I do agree with that, with mm. ourselves. But that you can become very self-absorbed thing, mm. and there's something way beyond that that is bigger, a bigger self, if a bigger thing that we can direct, con- connect with directly in a mushroom journey. Yeah. That's well said. I agree with that. That's exactly been my experience. That was part of my depression kind of backing off was going beyond myself and realizing, oh, my gosh, I am a part of something like infinitely bigger that is all loving and all like that's the and that energy. Like, why would I stay in this when I can move with that energy? Anyway, that's I, I, I can I tell you something about depression, please. This world says we must be happy all the time. Mm-hmm. We mustn't ever be depressed or sad. But depression is part of your healing. Go fall into, go into free fall into your depression, mm. and uh, working. You can work with psychedelics at the same time. But this thing that you shouldn't be depressed, and you've got to be, stop being depressed now and start taking pills now, mm. um, because you must never be depressed, is absolute nonsense, and it's become a terrible sickness in the world. Yeah, that kills people. Absolutely. You, I heard you speak about it as well on another thing where you said around. We, we focus on numbing the emotion or numbing feelings rather than healing. Yes. And so it's like, oh, you feel something that's uncomfortable. Let's cover that up. Rather than taking notice of the feeling. Mm. The feeling is a voice that's speaking to you. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Actually, and uh, there's an, before I forget, there's another thing I wanted to ask you, which is now in these times as things have shifted, uh, just currently, and uh, you're doing some online ceremonies as well. And I would, I really am curious to hear, how does that operate? Well, th- that's been a big surprise for us. Um, <clears throat> we were going really well. Lots and lots of mushroom journeys. We could hardly keep training watches. Um, I mean, it was really good. And then, boom, as for all of us, lockdown arrived. Mm. We were getting streams of, of inquiries, people wanting to know what to do. We had a problem that we, we just were meeting here. 
and we limited in how many people we can actually take. Uh, we didn't really see it so much as a problem, but it certainly was a blooming issue. Uh, some of the watchers were going off and doing their own journeys at home, similar to what we're doing, which was great, um, but still limited to Cape Town, mostly Cape mm-hmm. Town. There was a group started up in Joburg, but still small. Um, <clears throat> And we were, none of us were planning. We all tried Vagabond. Uh, so we didn't have any plans. We just kept going with the flow. And then kaboom, in came lockdown. And that really turned the apple cart over. And my immediate feeling was we cannot do mushroom journeys here. Keep 20 people, 25 people in that room all night long. For their own safety, I mean, I was did think it could all be a big scam. I kept my mind open to that, that it's all nothing and just the, the, the being controlled by the the new world order and all um, <clears throat> might be real. And therefore, we're not going to take a chance. So we stopped immediately. And that brought on a wave because people were in so much pain and fear of people saying, please do something, what are you going to do? And the watchers started off, we had a lovely close group of family of watchers, about 80 people, and they were starting to squabble and fall apart, and I didn't know what to do. And then I just had a little journey of my own focused on SOMA. How do we deal with this? I want to do the right thing, but I don't know the right thing. And I just suddenly saw a mushroom journey all over the world. Connected all over the world about with um, with technology, and my thought was, you can't combine sacred mushrooms with technology. That was my thought, and this voice, this mushroom voice, came and said, from long ago, but I am technology. <laughs> can't argue with that. <laughs> But I am technology. (laughs) So we decided. uh, Then we've got a WhatsApp page for the watchers. I said to the watchers, you know what? Let's do a a journey online just with us watchers to try and find each other again because we weren't seeing each other and we were so accustomed to being together. And and that first night, it was just blew us away. We didn't even know practically how to put it. We fell around trying to work and everyone was in their own homes and some of them scattered around the country and most of them here in the in Cape Town area. It was just amazing and then I knew we have to continue with this. And the perfect person came along to help because I'm not, I, I used to be very good with technology but I, I don't even want to go into new technology now. My, my head is full. I can't take any more. And um, <clears throat> so that is Anton. He'd be a good person to interview, actually. I handed the whole thing over to him. And I said, let's see how we can we'll work together um, and we'll see how it works out. And we've worked out a really nice plan now. And we meet, we have an online journey at the moment. I don't know where we're going in the future, but as it is now, uh, we have a one journey a month, the nearest Saturday to a new moon. The new moon representing a new beginning, and that's the only reason it can change, but that was just the thinking at the time. And, of course, it's available to anyone in the world and, of course, anyone in South, the little dorps in South Africa as well, anywhere in Africa, anyone who's got a connection to the Internet. Mm. And we use Zoom and we use a WhatsApp 
and uh, it's it's worked every single time. The the groups are fairly still small, and uh, Anton and I are in constant contact um, because I'm very aware that this is open to everyone, and if the news gets around that you can work with mushrooms very cheaply because all they have to do is pay for the mushrooms, which if in another country, it's there, they have to find the mushrooms. We help if we can, but we don't have connections to mushroom growers everywhere in the world. We are developing, it's a very small little database at the moment, but we would like to be able to provide, well, not to provide for everyone, but to tell them who to go to to get their mushrooms. And we recently added a 200 rand uh, um, admin fee uh, for Anton because of the work that is involved in uh, maintaining. He set up an amazing system, but it's still a lot of work, and we keep contact with the, all the contact details of everyone. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> so it's, it, it's almost as though we're still in preparation. Every single journey has been as deep, as profound, and meaningful as the journeys we had here. Like no difference. Um, and uh, it, it's just amazing. You would, wouldn't think that that would happen. The tears, we have a Zoom meeting in the morning. We have a Zoom meeting at the beginning to introduce ourselves. It's all stiff and awkward and nobody knows anybody. And then everyone goes to their, settles in their little journey space, wherever it is, at home. And... Um, can be in contact with all or any of the watchers at during the night, um, either uh, on the phone or on WhatsApp, uh, not on Zoom, but Zoom, we close down Zoom, so there's nothing visible, there's privacy. Mm. And then in the morning we have a big meeting of everyone coming together again to talk about their night and how it was. Huge stuff, absolutely such big stuff happens. Um, and the sharing, it's like they've known each other their whole lives. And they haven't, we don't like them to really talk with each other during the night because that can get a bit silly. I mean, they could actually talk to each other because they're all on the same WhatsApp group. But we've never encouraged that, although um, that we wouldn't do anything if it didn't happen. We've just never suggested it even. But, uh, and that's how it works. And we stay in touch with the watch. If someone had a particularly hard time, uh, we'll stay in touch with them. They can t- stay in touch with us. The WhatsApp group stays stays there. It's amazing. I mean, would you generally recommend that for someone who has a little bit of experience? Or, or? Well, in our sensible thinking, which often is not uh, anywhere close to sacred thinking, but our sense, common sense says uh, that first-timers shouldn't journey online. For the first time, but a lot of people do this last Saturday. I think we had eight people, first timers, um, and uh, it seems to work. You know, you, if you leave the door open, leave the door open. You open the door, and if they want to join, and there's no other way. What we do have is, I have a on the same night as an online journey. There's a small group meets here. Those for who, for whatever reason, they can't meet at home. Either it's the first time and they're too scared, or their home is too chaotic and not private, or or they've had a row with their wife or whatever. They can come here and journey here. And so there's always that night a journey going on here too. Uh, so that's like it used to be in the old times. So that doing, except it's a small group. It's not a big group. Never more than seven. That is our maximum that we will take because of lockdown, because of COVID. And uh, the other group, then there are 
lots of first timers as well. Mm-hmm. And we ask that at least they have someone who who is watching over them, mm-hmm. uh, a husband or a, a friend or something like that, and that we have the contact details, the name and contact details of that person, and that person has our contact details. So we can then talk with that person yeah. because we don't want to interrupt anyone's journey while they're on. And the, those who are journeying know that they can call or talk on WhatsApp yeah. with with the watchers for as lo- the whole night long if they want to. And some of them do talk at length uh, when they're in their journey and they want to just be with me, stay with me. I feel I'm becoming unhinged, you know, that sort of thing. And then we'll t- just chat with them through it. Oh, it's better not to have all the watchers because this gets a bit chaotic, but just maybe one or two that are with someone that's called for help. And we say, if you want help, put up the little help icon, little hand, yeah. to say help and we will be there immediately. We stay awake the whole night long watching the screen. I mean, it's it's just another indication of your own trust in the flow, the vagabonding of it. Well, the idea of the, it certainly didn't come from me. Mm. And that voice that said, but I am technology. Mm. That took away all... Um, to me, was a crazy idea. But the idea came to me and I said, well, how about an online journey? I thought, no. <laughs> and then this, but I am technology. Yeah. That... Um, Everything, all doubt, any concern just disappeared. Mm. We do have to be very responsible. If we always, uh, if someone is, we ask for a little bit of a history of someone, if they've had a severe um, psychotic problems, uh, we suggest that they don't journey online. They can journey, but not online. But they need to be with experienced people Mm. to do that. But it's that's not. It's hardly anybody. Yeah, that's amazing, Monica. I, I'm I so thank you so much for your time and for this conversation. It's I, I I just have had so much fun, and I hope that it serves anyone who listens to this. And and I wish I wish we I know because we didn't do video, and I just kind of wish that we I could show people this beautiful little home of yours and just the feeling in here of I don't know. Just really thank you so much for for showing up, for keeping the for opening the door and keeping it open. I really. Thank you so much. Well, I'm in awe of how things, nothing has gone, I haven't had a plan. Everything has just gone and gone and on and on. Yep. And um, I feel really privileged to have the kind of life that I have. Mm. Uh, that um, it's so full of reward, uh, it's fulfillment. I, I never imagined that being this age could be this rewarding. Beautiful. Thanks again, Monica, and I wish you well on the road further. Thank you. Thank you. We'll stay in touch. Yeah. (laughs) I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Monica Cromhote. Thank you again so much to Monica for making yourself available for your time. If you'd like to find out more about what we're up to or sign the petition that we have going or get in touch with us, then you can find all of that in the show notes in the description of this episode. So please do make sure to, to find us on our website, Facebook, Instagram, etc. And, and we'll also have some links to things that were discussed during this episode. So thank you very much. It's been an honor. My name is Nathan. This is the Psychedelic Society South Africa podcast and very much looking forward to episode number two.